happy new year everybody can you believe 2023 is come and gone and some of the most memorable moments were it was one of the hottest years on record outside of 2022 i can't believe that actually and also 2023 was such a quick year i can barely remember what i did but i had a good one i'm blessed i'm grateful and ready to embrace this year but I thought I'd kick off this podcast, which I'm really weird about how I should entitle this one, because I just wanted to bring everybody up to date on my um, op and my recovery. And really, it's a second part to embracing that uncertainty. So 999, but not an emergency. Xmas has come and gone. And now people are starting to make those New Year's resolutions they never take. For me, I'm just blessed that I had the operation I've been waiting for for 15 months on the 12th of December. And guess what, people? It was cool. I hate hospitals and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I look at now and junior doctors in the UK are on strike again. And they're on strike for six whole days. So imagine if my op had been put back again, I would have had it cancelled and I'd have been upset. But I think for me, you know, as we set some goals or intentions for this 2024, and this is sounding a little bit all over the place, but bear with me. I am just so grateful for that operation, which is a healing process. So one of my goals or my my intentions is to set some fitness goals because I can't really do anything too strenuous until the end of January. No heavy lifting. I'm walking a little bit longer each day. And, um, one of my other goals is no drinking for at least two months, funnily enough. And uh, as we hurtle or maybe begin this year and the time you listen to this, it's hard to believe we're in 2024. It really is hard to believe we're in 2024. But let me tell you more now what happened in 2023 and how I finished it after my operation, because it was a blast this Christmas, and I don't really celebrate it, remember. So in the lead-up week to my operation, I remember people saying, Tina, you're going to have this operation, you're going to have this operation, you're going to have this operation, and don't doubt that anything will change. But you know, every time that phone went, and it was a number I didn't recognise, I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to cancel. And not only did I think that, but I actually thought, I can't believe that this is going to go through, you know, because there are so many more people that need more care and help than I do. But I started to get anxious and everybody was really nice sending me cards and saying, good luck with your procedure. You've been waiting for 15 months. And you know what? A lot of people have said, oh, you should have got it done on private. And my operation that I was having on private would have been £7,000 UK. That's a lot of money for an hour. It's an hour's procedure. But because I was going into general anaesthetic, I had to go into hospital for the day. Or so I thought. Anyway, friends were rallying around. It was really beautiful in terms of, um, you know, what you need. You need anything to go in with. Because people know I don't like hospitals. I mean, the last time I was in hospital, and somebody who listens to this podcast quite regularly will know when we were athletes and we had to have our Achilles tendons done many years ago, it was horrible being in a hospital that was nearly 100 plus miles from home, 
No one really could visit apart from some of my training team. And I was on the ward, which was ear, nose and throat. And people, it was absolutely disgusting what I saw. Somebody died next to me. Someone looked like they were out of a horror movie. It was just, it was just horrible. Anyway, in the prep for this one, I did a lot of my tapping meditations, which, you know, tap into the meridians on the body, forehead, top of the head, under the chin, under the arm, scapula. Um, uh, and it really worked to lower my cortisone, which is your worrying kind of hormone, if, for want of a better word. I've spoken about it before. And I did it the night before. And I still didn't get a good night's sleep because I had to be up for half past six. A friend had uh, really stepped up and said, we're going to take you, me and my partner are going to take you to the hospital. Because I literally was OK to go to the train station and then get a cab. Because, you know, you get you have to be there for half past seven. It's nil by mouth and all that kind of crap. But they came and picked me up. And at that point, you thought, God, there'd be some people would be going in for major operations, not knowing if they're going to come round. To be fair, what I did learn, I should save this for later on. When you go under general anaesthetic, you don't know if you're going to come round at all. Your life is in that anaesthetist's hand. They control your breathing and they pump that shit into your body to put you to sleep. Now, imagine human error and they put too much in. I'm just saying. But I didn't think about all that. When I got into the hospital, it was really early and I do my nervous thing when I go into hospital. I, um, I, make, I make these funny little jokes with the nurses. I mean, it was like a morgue in there. There's no one there. God, that all changed about six hours later. And um, the funniest thing is when they said, put the gown on, Tina. So you get this gown and because I knew I was coming in for the day, I packed some gym jams just to keep me warm, some sliders. I never walk around on floors that I don't know without shoes on or socks on or slippers on. So I took those and that was pretty much about it. And some basic things like some medi wipes and stuff like that. Nothing major, just a little rucksack with some bits and pieces. So the nurse then says, can you also put on our disposable knickers? Let me tell you something, people. When I saw these knickers, I thought, I can't even get my little finger in those. And you know the way a pair of pants is constructed? You've got the gussety bit. Well, this looked like this thread. It was just weird. Uh, anyway, I said to the nurse, I will try it and you will laugh. So she turned her back. I put them on and they just snapped. <laughs> Shall I keep my own knickers on then she said yeah and she just burst out laughing she said they are cheap and nasty aren't they I said well I can see a five-year-old getting into them just about but not a grown woman anyway what was weird is they do all these little questions and everything um for you as some people will know I'm not going to take you through the whole procedure but then the surgeon came round, and it's a bit like when you get on a plane and the pilot says Good afternoon. Welcome to flight 258 to Washington. We will be flying at 65,000 knots and the air is really good. And you know, the captains or the pilots, they're really posh speaking, most of them, aren't they? It's a bit like the surgeon. He came round, he sort of tickled my foot and he said, don't worry, Miss Malcolm, we'll have you sorted in a jiffy. You'll be up on the day ward when I will see you. Sorry, you'll be up on the ward and I'll come and see you. At this point, I was tired, but I woke up pretty quickly when he said, I'll see you on the ward. Remember, people, I've been prepped to go in for day surgery. 
I said, oh, I didn't know I was staying. He said, oh, yes, we got to monitor you throughout the night and making sure that you can do everything we want you to do properly. Well, for 10 minutes or so, I was stunned and thought, oi, oi, I haven't got anything to wash myself with and whatever. So luckily, my friends who were in the area still who dropped me off and they live quite far, I gave her a ring and said, guess what, T? I need something to wash with, put under my armpits, blah, 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 spare, spare pair of knickers. And she said, you're having to stay in, aren't you? And I said, yeah, but they never told me that in admissions. That was a little failing on the NHS, wasn't it? They didn't tell me. Otherwise, I'd have came prepared. But do you know what? It's fine. It was like going into a massive fasting routine because even though it wasn't quite nil by mouth because you could have sips of water. And this nurse saw me guzzling from my water bottle and she said, sips, Miss Malcolm, sips. You're not drinking, you know, like you've just run the marathon. (laughs) Well, that snapped me back into action. And then I just saw sick people all around me. As the hours went on from half past seven, I was supposed to go down about 11 or 12 o'clock and they informed me that they didn't have any anaesthetists. So our NHS was um, failing a little bit because they didn't have enough staff. As it happened, we didn't go down till or I didn't go down till about three o'clock and my hunger at that point was unbearable my stomach was rumbling but they were so nice and by the time the anaesthetist had said okay I'm just going to put this in your arm and then you'll be out for the count I remember waking up and thinking holy shit what is it that they put in your body to knock you out for a period of time and control your breathing um, because when I came round, it was Tina, wake up, wakey, wakey, are you okay? And, I went, and the first thing I wanted to do is notice if any spittle was flying out of my mouth, you know, when you've been asleep and it's all a bit nasty and stuff and everything's so bright. It's not as though you wake up in your bedroom and you've got this nice lighting and stuff. You're in the hospital and it's bright. So, I laid there for a little bit and as I became more awake, I was starving my people. But the first thing I said to the nurse was, even though I felt a bit bit grotty and dozed up and I knew I'd been fixed, they said everything went fine, Tina. So we'll be taking you up to the ward. There's a little bit of delay because guess what? There weren't any beds, even though I was lying in a bed. Uh, They said they'd take me up. So I just um, maxed out on these horrible sandwiches, nasty coffee and just watched everybody else looking sick. It was so funny because when you're in these places, people are very quick to start talking about their business. There were these two women before we went in for the operation saying uh, what they had wrong with them. And one woman, I recall, who was clutching at the side of her stomach, she had basically two years ago, been out with some friends. I would say she was late 60s and looked fine. Um, She'd been out with some friends and and family and started feeling unwell and started feeling nauseous. Do you know, she had a heart attack and they had to revive her eight times. And she said, you know, the ambulance people even said to her, you don't look like you're having a heart attack, which is apparently hot and sweaty and desperate breathing and so forth. She just didn't feel well. But then the worst was yet to come because she found blood in her pee a year later and it was bladder cancer. So they removed 
everything that a woman's got down below and her bladder. So she had a stormer, I think it's called, in the side of her stomach. And so what had happened is she said there was so gross. I'm so sorry to share this with you. And I pray she won't be listening because she doesn't know who I am from Adam. Uh, She had a piece of skin flapping down inside her that they needed to find out what it was. How gross is that? And I just thought against everything, look at her, what she's coming in for, which was far worse than me. And then this other woman who was extremely posh and she knew our surgeon who was Dr. Mike Stafford and her great, 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 great grandfather had founded Westminster Hospital, which merged with Chelsea Hospital and became Chelsea and Westminster. She was awfully posh. She said, well, ladies, you never guess what, what I'm in for. I'm in for a bladder Botox. Bladder Botox? I thought Botox was for the face to get rid of the wrinkles and tighten it up. But listen to what I've just said. Titan. So basically she was incontinent and she was getting Botox to tighten up her bladder, which lasts for 18 months. And then she goes back in again. My point here, people, is we don't even know about some of these procedures that are available on our national health service, i.e. you don't have to pay because normal Botox you pay for. Bladder Botox, you don't. But I bet you there aren't many people who are incontinent know that you can have Botox for your bladder on the NHS. So one of my lessons to you guys is this. Research, ask questions. Research, ask questions and pursue what you want. It's a little bit like when I was going through, well, I stood down through the menopause. It was my homeopath who said, do you know Dr. Nick Panay? He's one of the best menopause doctors in this country you think my doctor my little general practitioner a GP if you're listening outside of the um, uh, UK mentioned anything about seeing a specialist and really what pissed me off about all of this what my procedure I was going in for was because of the menopause and something that had happened to me and I didn't know what to do about it but it came about through the menopause. But the guy that I've been seeing, this surgeon or this this um, consultant, was one of the best in this country. But he was the best kept secret because no one knew. A bit, a little bit like this woman, this posh woman with her bladder Botox. She knew Dr. Mike Stafford, our surgeon, and probably had spoken to him. She'd been seeing him for years about other things. And he said, probably said to her, do you know that you can get Botox on the NHS? So all I'm saying is sometimes you need to pursue it when you're sitting in your little GP's waiting room or your general doctor, because personally, I've got a lot of respect for doctors out there in in the general practice, but there's certain areas that they just don't know. They usually have five minutes with you in the UK to sit and diagnose, help you out and whatever. Otherwise, it's, it's not really cutting it for me. And people run backwards and forwards to these GPs like they're gods. And it, you need to go higher sometimes. You really do. Anyway, I digress. So finally, I get up on the ward and that's a whole lot of other shenanigans. Your modest is out the window, people. I heard people farting, belching, retching. It was disgusting. And it's really weird, the feeling when you go up onto a ward and you're with other people, you do feel institutionalised because you are in the care of somebody else. Everybody's in there for a common reason, which is usually because they're sick. And um, for me, it was the fear of walking around in my robe 
and looking at old people and the loneliness they felt, especially this is December. And this nurse was telling me that, you know, there's so many old people that don't want to go home when they've got better in their beds and they make themselves even iller so they don't have to go home because they've usually got no one to go to. And I felt so much more strength in my belief that we need to pay our NHS staff more money and give them what they deserve. But interestingly, so anybody outside the UK, there is a massive bunch of strikes taking place over here for giving our free medical service, the staff that work in it, more money. And the government is saying there isn't more money and they've already given them above inflation. Interestingly, this nurse that kept waking me up every hour to take my blood pressure said, it's not just about the money, though. It's the system is broken. The systems, the operating systems, the processes within the NHS are broken. That was really interesting. And luckily for me, I was only on a ward with four people, so it wasn't too big. But, you know, it is noisy as hell. I don't know how anybody sleeps unless you're really, really ill. And you probably end up in a room on your own or two people. I don't know how anybody gets better in these places, to be honest with you. The food is absolutely disgusting. It now makes me realise if you are going in for a long hospital stay, unless you're private, people bring the food in for you. Luckily, I was able to go down to this restaurant area and get some food because I could walk sort of a few hours after I'd been in the bed and everything. I was able to have a decent cup of coffee. But the biggest moment for me was when I was told I was being discharged. I had to pee inside this thing and fill it before I was allowed to go home. And when she said, Tina, I'm discharging you, that was a sister. She was such a sweet little Asian lady. She was so cute. And she said, I'm glad to be sending you home. And I thought, yes, because you want my bed, don't you? So um, I rushed in, had another little wash. And one thing about hospitals, man, you think they're all clean. Listen. Because now I have my flannel and my friend had bought deodorant and some shower gel. I didn't take a shower, just had a douche wash because even in there, I didn't want to have a shower. You make sure you get in that area by six o'clock because otherwise it looks messy. And no amount of cleaning ain't clean enough for me. So I'm just saying. So when I got discharged, it was just so good. And a doctor came around to see me and they said, you're going home to roost, Tina, and recuperate. And... The key things for me are six weeks. So from the December the 12th for six weeks, no heavy lifting. You do have to keep really mobile. And one of the things, it's funny, when you go on the web and you start reading things, with the condition that I had, the procedure that I had, it was saying you walk only for three minutes at a time a day and build it up over weeks. Rubbish. The doctor just said, we need you to be mobile. We need things to keep it moving. You know, there will be bittersweet recovery, because obviously I love training and working out, so that had to be cold down a little bit. But I have been good in getting out. I was worried about the driving, because what they always say is they want you to do an emergency stop. However, I've got an automatic, so yeah, you just slam your foot on the brake, I guess. And I've been all right. So it meant that I could still do what I was going to do for Christmas. And as I said, I don't really celebrate it, but... Um, when I got out, I knew I had two, a week or so more of work, which I didn't really have that much to do, to be honest. So it was nice. It was a big piece of consultancy coming to an end. So I give thanks to publicists for giving me work from March, April. And I've still got some other uh, two other little clients I'm trying to sort out as I uh, record this for you now. And 
I then just literally, until I got to Christmas, chilled out. Too much TV, but my healing is in process, my people. And I have set myself some fitness goals for 2024, of which I'm going to do, they've got these things over here called park runs, where you go out on a Saturday morning and you can run in the park with a bunch of other people. I haven't run for nearly two years properly because of this condition, because uh, it just wouldn't allow me to. So I've done that. I want to do a massive bike ride with the community and a few other things. And I'm going to get ripped, my people, ripped. I can't wait to get back into my fitness. Not that it ever stopped, but it was limiting. So I'd have to go to the gym and do a lot of arm work, couldn't squat, couldn't do anything like that. So, yeah. So I have a couple of messages to some people that may listen into this one. One of my friends is going to be going to have probably a hip replacement. And I know you're going to be really, really worried about it. But you have done so much in the fitness world. You're going to be fine. It is that recovery afterwards and making sure the surgeon gets the right size hip for your replacement. That is absolutely key. So if you're listening to this now, ask questions about the sizing. Have they got that all correct? Loads of my friends who have been Olympic and Commonwealth throwers in athletics have had hip replacements and they are running around like blue ass flies now. So they are fine. So take solace that you'll be okay and embrace that uncertainty, which will not be uncertainty. It will be cool. So that was for you. My next thing is thank you to those that had me over Christmas and helped me recuperate and just pampered me. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And so, again, I'd say I'm going to embrace uncertainty for 2024. And did I say I started acupuncture? Oh, my God. Uh, Anybody who's scared of needles probably wouldn't like it. But I have started acupuncture because I've still got my Horner's syndrome, which is that nerve that's blocked in the left hand side of my body which causes my eyelid to droop and I'm hoping that will unblock it so I'm embracing that uncertainty with acupuncture and hoping it will do the business but the most important message I think is the importance of keeping well and healthy for the times when you may be hospitalized it's key you need to keep this body fit and ready because They reckon there's quite a high percentage of people who go into hospital and they don't recover as quickly because they're just not in a good state, period. So get your body, which is your engine, which is your temple, in a good state. And mine was in a pretty good state. It goes without saying, a few words from me now are to thank all the listeners that listen to the podcast throughout 2023. It's really hard work. I'm not going to lie, because it's not monetized. Well, mine's not monetized because I'm up against all the big celebrities who get paid to do it. One day, I hope someone picks me up and says, Tina, can you host a podcast for us? I'd love that. But more importantly to you, if you love my podcast, please share it with somebody that you think would do well from it. It is a lot around personal development. It's been about my life and no one else's, even though I've entertained some people on here and had guests which has been a blast but again it's always about the learning side I think so if you like it please share it and tell other people about me and if there's anything you want to ask me or like me to do a topic on then please please do drop me a line until the next episode which is fast approaching and it will be an interview 
Take good care. This has been short and sweet and I am recovering. Well, here's to a bumper and brilliant and fabulous 2024.